0: Within
2: the Holiness movement, the name Stetler is synonymous with ministry. Ken and Jewel
0: Stetler took their responsibility as parents very seriously, raising six children on a Bible college campus. Today, all of their children and all of their
1: grandchildren are serving the Lord. You're sure to enjoy this excellent talk by Jewel Stetler titled "The Home."
2: I'll answer the question that I'm asked the most. Did you raise a family in a wheelchair? No, I did not. I, uh, when I was about 60, I'll be 70 in July, um, I had blood clot, great big blood clot. And then about a little later in the spring, I had another one, great big one. And then a little later, I had another one. So I went to the doctor, and he sent me home and did nothing but told me to be off of my feet, and uh, because if I dislocated those clots, they'd go to my lungs and kill me. Well, I kind of wanted to live, so I did with his head. But uh, when I, uh, I planted my flowers, and they were about this tall in the spring, when I got so I could walk, I mean, through with the blood clots, I said, how long do I wait? He said, uh, well, when they quit hurting. Well, it was October before I got out. So I, um, I said, there's only one thing wrong with this. I'm ready, but my legs say no, and they're still saying no, so, uh, that's why I'm in a wheelchair, and, uh, some woman talked to me not long ago, and she said, don't you be discouraged, I said, look, lady, I wouldn't know what discouragement was if I'd see it in the face, I refuse to live that way, I can't, so, uh. I'm going to live to be 100, so I have 30 years to go in this wheelchair. I'll be able to know how to operate this thing by that time. <laughs> All right, since you know about my wheelchair, I'll uh, tell you a little bit about me. I'm a, a country girl from North Carolina. Uh, my folks were hardworking people, but not church people. Uh, I had uh, somewhere in my background, there had been some uh, church people but I didn't know about it and I grew up I'd never been to church in my life until I was 12 and I knew nothing absolutely nothing about praying and the Bible and we didn't talk about it one day we, uh, as a, we were a big family and a close family and uh, but we were very very poor but that doesn't bother me I mean money's not what makes happiness anyway it's uh, the people you're around and the things you do we were sitting in a circle peeling peaches to the can, and uh, I said something or did something. Mother said, Be careful. God keeps a record of everything you do. I said, I never heard that. I said, What? Tell me more. She said, Well, everything. No, and then she didn't want to talk about it anymore. I don't know why my folks dis- felt. They wanted to leave God out, but they did a wonderful job of it. They were good people. We weren't allowed to holler on Sunday. We weren't allowed to work on Sunday. Uh, we played ball on Sunday, but we were we were not allowed to holler. We were had to be quiet. And we were told, this is Sunday, but I didn't know why. And uh, and I knew nothing about God or any of the Bible. Never heard it read. Didn't know anything about it. The Bible was a place we kept my brother who had dyed a flock of his hair and little special things we wanted to be sure not to lose. Mother would say, put it in the Bible. Uh, we didn't use it, so it was, it was always safe there. But some man uh, that years ago, my daddy, uh, his daddy died when he was young. And, there, and at school, somebody had kind of made fun of him. You know how young people are? And he felt real bad about it. And this woman had befriended him and been nice to him. So when we were children growing up, this woman didn't live so far away. She was a married woman with a family. And so she, uh, they felt led of the Lord to come and invite my folks to church. Well, Daddy went because she was kind to him when he was in third grade. So don't ever underestimate kindness. And don't ever underestimate Obeying the Lord when He tells you something. So um, she came in and invited us, and Daddy said, he "Told us he he must go at least once." So he went, and it was a little holiness brush arbor meet out in the country. And um, I remember uh, when everybody began to pray at once, it kind of halfway scared me. I had my eyes shut, but I didn't know what was going on, and I I wanted to look, but. I didn't, and uh, because it was, I just felt I shouldn't, and um, some church people need to learn that. I wasn't a church person, and uh, so that man preached that night, and uh, but right before, just a little while before that, I picked up a book, uh, Blackie of the North Woods, and I we churned, Um, daddy sold milk and butter and we churned and I I was churning and I read that I didn't know anything about conviction but that's when conviction hit me and I used to go down in the woods as an old tree bent over and I I didn't know, have the foggiest idea but I sit down there and wonder what's wrong in my heart why I felt like I did well here we were in this church service and I realized why I felt like I did that man was telling me. And that night someone came and talked to Daddy and wanted him to go to the altar. He didn't. But my heart said, move over, move over. That's what I want. And I came to the, I was sitting right about over here, and, and I came to the altar. I didn't have the foggiest idea what to do. None. And someone said, kneel down, and I knelt down right over there that way. And I, I didn't know. But in my heart I wanted something. This emptiness, oh, this I thought it was because we were poor, if we had a lot of money. We had a nice house and plush rugs, and I lived had uh, nice clothes. That was what it was. But somehow I felt this was what I needed, but I didn't know what to do. There was another man that came and knelt right about in here, and somebody knelt with and prayed with him. But I was a little girl from a poor family, 12 years old, Nobody bothered. And I didn't know what to do. I had knelt down because they told me to. Well, I heard this woman praying with that man, and she told him to ask God to forgive him for his sins. I did what she said, and God wonderfully saved me. Right. The world looked shiny. The world, it was almost scary to me. I didn't have any idea what had happened to me, but I knew that that something was different. And the world had a shine, and the lights were brighter. The, I thought it was me. But the next morning when I got up, the world looked that way. The trees looked different. Everything, it, was, it was scary. I didn't know what was going on. But she had told this man, now, if you want to keep saved, now you need to listen. You have to read your Bible every single day and pray every single day. And that's still how you keep saved. If you have a friend, you lose relationship with that friend if you don't talk to them. And if they don't talk to you, you you talk to God when you pray. He talks to you when you read his word. So if you want to keep a relationship with a friend, you do the same thing when you want to keep your relationship with the Lord. You pray to him, he talks to you, and you know when God talks to you. You feel it. It's not an audible voice. And once in a while, it'll feel like it is almost. But you know when God talks to you. Now, if you had heard my prayers, I'm sure it would have been almost funny. Because remember, I didn't know anything about praying. And I remember there's a hedge around my house. And our house was over here, and here was a hedge. And I used to go right here and look at the stars and say, "Starlight, star bright. I wish I may, I wish I might. Have the wish I wish tonight. My wish was to go to church. Someone had heard, I found out later, someone had disappointed my daddy that was a church person. And he said, I'm better than those people. I wouldn't do what they did. So we didn't go to church. So remember, your disappointments to other people are far-reaching. I was eight in a family of 12, and I had never been to church because somebody disappointed my daddy, and he said, I'm better than they are. I wouldn't involve someone else's child in something, so be careful. Be careful how you walk. Somebody's watching. So I didn't know a thing about praying, but I wanted to go to church, but daddy wouldn't let us go to church as long as we lived here and had to go to that church. So in my childish way, I began to pray, God, I want to go to church. We lived in a little dead-end street, a road that was muddy, muddy, muddy in the wintertime. And uh, it was hard to sell. And he had had people to look. We owned another farm 25 miles away. But he, uh, it was hard to sell because there was no outlet. So in my childish way, I began to say, Lord, I want to go to church. Help Daddy sell this farm. I didn't tell a soul about it. I didn't go to church. I I read a little bit in the Bible every day, and I prayed my childish prayers. Don't ever, 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 ever discredit a child's prayers. God answers those prayers. So one day I was in the eighth grade, and Daddy said, we sold. I was thrilled. We finished moving on Friday, and Sunday morning, we visited up the road from where we, uh, our place was was a little Methodist church. We were in church Sunday morning. I've been going to church ever since. But God had done a wonderful work in my life, and I was determined not to lose it. So God began to talk to me. You know about all the things that we don't do, you know, we don't do. Uh, I just will be frank with you. Um, rings, my clothes, movies, and on and on and on, but all my friends did these things, but I realized if I, and lipstick, I put on lipstick, and I felt something. I took it off, and I felt like my old self. I had this something in my heart, and I, it was protected, and I felt it, but I put it back on. And I felt that something again. I felt dirty, frankly. And so I, uh, one day, I have lips that they, like, they call sweetheart lips, and all the high school girls, we always in high school then, wanted me to put it on. We wanted to see what sweetheart looks like with lipstick on. So I put it on. One, I didn't want to, but they begged me, and I did. And I felt that again. I thought, I'll never do it again. I took it and threw it in the fireplace. That was the And In a movie, um, I went to a a movie at church, school. And I the Lord condemned me. He told me I shouldn't be there. So the next one, I didn't go. And my principal came around and said, weren't you in the movie? If you didn't have the money, why didn't you? T-? He liked me. I was good in geometry, and he liked me. He said, I would have paid for it. I said, no, it's not that. It's not that. And But in order to keep what I had found... I had to obey him. Listen, you will too. You will too. You can't go over those mountains. It won't work. All right. Uh, I had uh, worked hard in tobacco fields and made money. And like most young kids, I like jewelry. So I thought I'd buy me some biblical jewelry. It had a Bible on it. My ring had a cross and a crown on it. I got it from Davis C. Cook Company. And I was kind of proud of it because I'd worked for it myself. I'd strung tobacco, worked in the tobacco fields and gotten the money for it. But I was sitting in a classroom one day. My girlfriend said, I'm going to wear it. So I let her. But every time she'd give it back to me, I'd feel funny. The bracelet felt like a log chain around my arm. So I'd give it back to her, let her wear it. So one day she said, I think I've worn this long enough. It's time for you to take it back. And I thought, well, there's nothing I could do. So I took it back, but i just like it was a log chain. So I decided it's time to get rid of this because it's either this or the peace in my heart. And I had a, too hard a time finding it. I wasn't going to lose it. And, and I, uh, I got rid of it. In high school it was the same thing. I was the only one that didn't buy a ring, But the Lord had showed me that I shouldn't do that. So they said, we'll buy it for you. We want you to have it. I said, but I don't want it. I don't wanted. And I didn't. And uh, of course, I love basketball. I played basketball. I didn't, I didn't wear the outfit. My dad wasn't a Christian but he wouldn't let me wear it and I didn't want to wear it. But uh, one night it was uh, we were going to walk to a basketball game. And I said, Daddy told us we could go if it didn't rain. So I was a Christian so I prayed, Lord, don't let it rain. I want to go to that basketball game. And it poured down rain. And I said, Lord, walk. The Lord spoke to me as plain as day and said, you don't have any business going there. And I knew he was talking. And it was that or my peace. So I gave that up. I went to a school function in high school. And they were having a dance. And I went in the back door. And it wasn't long till my peace was bothered. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you don't have any business here left. All right. I was not attending a hole in this church, but I knew I had peace with the Lord, and that was an important thing. And it doesn't make any difference where you are. If you retain your peace, you're going to have to do what he said. Now, I'm not telling you the Lord will talk to you like he did me, but he'll talk to you about some things. And you're going to have to do what he says. But I found out that uh God's not a tyrant. He's not doing this just to be doing it. He does things that are for your good and his glory. And there are some things that you may not understand that he asks you to do. That's for your good and his glory. Uh, This is jumping a little ahead, but it fits right here. Uh, My husband and I had done the parental, um, the duty of taking care of parents We had bought a little cheap piece of property up close to Purdue University, a little teeny one, and the house wasn't real big and everything, but his folks were real poor and had hard trouble and couldn't work. So we provided him a house. I liked it. And up at the top of the hill, there was a great big semicircle of oak trees, and someday I wanted to build a house there. It overlooked the Wabash River. I wanted to build a house there and live there. It was a beautiful place to build a house. But God said to me later in life, sell it. It. I didn't want to sell it but I knew it was sell it to keep my peace and I did and that's the way I've lived and I hope you learn to live that way because if you don't you won't keep peace you may think it's it's little thing it doesn't make a difference how little there's a reason and later I'll tell you why we were to sell that but I didn't know at the time Okay, God saved me wonderfully, and I wanted to come to Bible school, and my, I wanted to go to high school. My daddy said, no. We, that was back on the verge. Remember, I'm almost 70, so that was on the verge of when women didn't do whole that much. And daddy didn't want me going to the roughest high school in the area, which Trinity School was. It was listed as that. But I felt like in my life down the way, God had something he wanted me to do, and I needed an education. So it was the day before, and he said, no. I got up that morning, and my daddy was a very stern man. But I went on the back porch, and daddy came in, and I said, can I please go to school? And he said, all right, I'll let you. But that's a rough school. You were to keep yourself clean. Well, I was doing my best to keep myself clean, and I still am. And he let me go, and education was part of it. Okay, when I went to GBS, that's where I met my husband. I'm sure I was supposed to go. I'm sure I have the right man. But when everything goes wrong, the devil say, are you sure, but remember, his thing, it don't change. You don't go by feelings. And then the Lord helped me. So that's, that's my testimony. That's who I am. You got acquainted with my wheelchair. You got acquainted with me. Now, I'm supposed to talk to you about motherhood. And to me, motherhood is one of the greatest responsibilities and the greatest, biggest job there is, even bigger than the United States president. In fact, uh, I believe that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Everybody used to believe that, but that's changed now. Forgive me. But when Clinton was having all these troubles, I read his mother's book and I thought, he was trained that way. I'm sorry, read the book. And uh, Reagan, I read his book. He was trained that way. Eisenhower, I read his book. He was trained that way. So, on and on. uh, Diefenbaker, Prime Minister of... I think that's his name. Anyway, I read the life story of the Prime Minister of Canada. He was trained the way he was. And on and on and on. And your children are too. Your children are too. Remember when uh, they're uh, sneaky? They go around your back to do things. They're going to do that to teachers. They're going to do that to employees. And on and on and on. And you train them that way. Or you let them be that way. It's your responsibility as a mother to study your children. What is going wrong in our family? What do we need? What do my children need? They're going to treat their teacher just like they treat you. And don't you get angry at your teacher? Don't you get upset at your teacher? You train them like that. That's why they're that way. So, so I believe that uh, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And you don't need to know how to change it. The God I got acquainted with has helped me to know what to do. And I'll give you some examples of What he some things I'll tell you, but what when you ask God to do something for you, He'll make it tailor-made for you. Some things God talked to me about won't work with you. I don't make any pretense of being a perfect mother. Uh, A lot of things slipped up on my blind side, and I didn't cover all the bases, but I tried hard. I did the very best I could. Neglect isn't in my book. And I hope it isn't yours when it comes to your children. They're little. Sure, they're little. But that's when you do it. I'll tell you about a problem that I had with a 20-year-old that I conquered in, in the cradle. And you will, too. So uh, I believe it's very, very important. Today's society clamors for mothers. Women clamor to be out of the home. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not using my intelligence that's just a joke. If you think it don't take intelligence to raise a child, think again. Think again, because it takes a lot of intelligence. To... And I don't feel that my job as a mother is a mundane task, they treat us as if it is, but that it's just dumped on us. It's just dumped on us. And some of today's society seem to say, um, why can't men have the children? That's a crazy question, but it's a crazy idea. God gave us what it takes to manage our families. Why do they want women to manage offices? They're using what God gave them to run a home to do secular work. This business of having ears at tune to Johnny and Susie and Sally and Betty and all that and cook dinner and run the and all the things that parents do is, uh, Women are like that. They can hear Johnny and they can hear Susie and they can kind of know what's going on and you have a little feeling you need to look out the window because something's going wrong out there. That's a gift from the Lord. But the secular world is using our gifts um, for their benefit and we are letting our children just grow up. Just grow up. People, women are saying nowadays... um, I'm a super mom. I can do it all. Nonsense. There's no way. If your child does more than grow up, you're going to have to be there for it. And you're going to have to be trained. There are some children that don't do some things. But there's an awful lot of things. Remember, that, that comes natural from the fall of man. Your child gets his hand in the cookie jar. I told him not to do it. I come in. He said, I didn't do it. Who taught him to lie? It's natural because of the fall of man. The thing that changes it is grace. God's grace changes it. But until God's grace changes it, you count down the list of sinful things. Those are all possibilities for your child. Not my child. Oh, yes, they are. Because the road of sin has those things in it. And unless your child gives his heart to God, there's a possibility that any of those things they will do. Because I'm on the road to North Carolina to see my folks. It's as natural as breathing that I see this house, this house, this house, and this house. Why? It's on my road. If I haven't accepted God as my Savior, Jesus as my Savior, I'm on, naturally on the road to sin. And the only way that I'll avoid having stealing, my child wouldn't do that. Has he been saved? He might. Adultery, my child wouldn't do that. If he hadn't been saved, he might. And you name it, there's a possibility. Unless he gets off of the road to sin and turns around and gives his heart to God, and then he's on a different road. You see different houses. You're on a different road. It's natural that you do. And so I, have, I don't have any, any patience with the modern society that says, uh, I'm just a woman. I am what I am. I have a job to do. I make no apologies for it. I am a mother. And I intend to do the very best I can as a mother And if you expect to have anything more than weeds in your garden of children, you're gonna have to work hard for it. You let your garden go, you may have carrots in there, you may have potatoes in there, you may have peas in there, but they won't be as big and they won't be as good or they won't be as nice if you let weeds grow. It's your job find the weeds and help us. And remember, um, you have a good friend that wants to help you. But first, you have to get acquainted with him. Then you have to keep fellowship with him. And he's got his thumb on things. And he'll say, don't do that. Don't let them do that. And if you obey him, You'll later see the reason why. So, before we go any farther, that's my idea about motherhood. Let's see. Uh, We better pray and ask God to, to help us before I go any farther. All right, ready? Lord, we're glad we can come here today. You know these people. We don't. You know all about us. You're able to help us. We have no interest in trying to sell settlers to these people. But well, we'd love to sell our God. We'd have these like these people to know they have a these mothers to know they have a big, big job, but they have a big, big helper, and they have access anytime they need it. So will you please help us today? Help us to be able to think clearly. You know the mothers, their needs, you're able to help to say something that'll help somebody. Help us to forget the things that might in any way harm or hinder anyone. We want to be a help, and we ask that you will help us for Jesus' sake. Amen. All right. Now, if you know my children, I hesitate to uh, do this because uh, I don't want you to pick my kids apart. If you know my kids, my children, and you see, they they shouldn't be doing that. They should be doing that. I don't want you to pick them apart, and I hope you'll be generous and realize that um, they're human and that you let them be human, and remember, I don't make any pretense of having done a perfect job, but with a little prompting from the Lord, I am willing to tell you something about settlers that might help you, because somehow we have a tendency to think we're different. My kids are ornery, but yours aren't. I, one of my boys told me, he said, Mother, I nearly laughed in the woman's face. I thought it was the funniest thing I've heard tell of. She said to me, Did you ever have a fight with your brothers living in a Christian home? He said, I almost laughed in her face. I'm going to tell you a little secret. In that hateful age, between 7 and 12, my kids fought so much and argued so much I said listen you don't sell your differences with your fist don't sell your differences with your fist they did it so much we prayed and asked the Lord to help us please know what to do but they'd always do it when up and around but they do it so we felt like that if they were gonna fight they ought to have supervision. So I said okay you want to fight do it but I'm gonna watch you (laughs) now do it fight You wanted to fight, do it. Hit him, sock him. Do what you wanted to do, but you're going to do it in front of me. One of my boys said, that was the hardest thing I ever did. I could have beat his head off before, but when you made me do it in front of you, I couldn't hit him. All right, who showed us to do that? The Lord did. That sounds silly. If I tell you to try it, it may not work with you. It worked with mine. What I'm telling you is God will give you a formula that fits your children. This fit mine. Put it into fighting. And uh, so don't try mine. Get down on your prayer rooms. You don't have to do that. Don't get down on your prayer rooms. Sometimes you don't have time. You say, Lord, what? This is a problem. How can I help it? How can I do something about it? How can I? That needs changing. Discipline don't mean anything if you don't change something. That's what discipline is. If I'm disciplining my child, I don't do it so the child is not embarrassing me. If it embarrasses me, I'm do, that's the wrong way. to wrong. The reason to discipline, you discipline a child to change his behavior. And if you're not changing his behavior, you're just fooling around. You, you discipline a child to change his behavior. So you say, Lord. This behavior needs change, and I don't have the foggiest idea how to do anything about it. he will help you if you ask it. First, I want to tell you what mothering was like to me, the conditions in which I mothered. All right, my husband and I had gotten married, and um, uh, we were having, having our children. And uh, my folks were poor, his folks were poor. So we didn't have any help, you know, you get mother gives you this or daddy gives you this or that and to get started. We had to do it all ourselves and we were giving to them because they couldn't help us. So, uh, but we both felt that it was time to get an education and getting an education meant my husband worked eight hours making tied soap. And at 7 o'clock in the morning, he got off work, took a shower, dressed in gold, And by 7.15, he was at God's Bible School in a class, which meant I saw him at 12. My children and I saw him at 12. And then, you guessed it, he was ready for bed because he had been up all night, on school all morning. And um, so that made for a lot of daddy being gone. Whenever he got done, sleeping, Uh, he had to study, so we had seven years of that, but we had, we felt like we didn't want to wait to grow our, have our children, we wanted them now, and we felt God would help us, so my husband uh, had the ability to study with the kids crawling all over him, now your husband may not be able to, but God gave my husband that ability. I said, why don't you go to the library to study, he said, I can't get anything over there, it's too quiet. Who helped him to be that way so he could be home? And all the memory work, they just crawl all over him and do everything all over him. And then uh, he worked with them a lot in the car. My husband's a singer. I'm a listener. I said, God had to have one listener in this family, so he gave me, me the job. And um, But we sang all the time, and he worked with them with not a concerted something. Now we see it helped, but then we didn't know it was helping. See, God was helping us. And he'd play the ABC game, which helps him mentally. He, he'd play, we'd play the game, i say Adam, and you have to say another biblical name that starts with the last letter of the alphabet. I mean, last letter of Adam. The, next, the one you say has to start with M. And then the one, the next one said has to start with the last name, uh, letter of the alphabet. You know, that makes you think. And uh, my husband played that a lot with him, and Of course, he liked the outdoors. He liked flowers. And every chance we got, we'd enjoy those sort of things. And then this place in the country we had bought that we didn't know we were ever going to need. It was for his folks. I was praying one day. And um, my husband worked all summer in in, uh, making Tide soap. And the Lord said to me, you need to go to the country in the summertime. I was down on my knees praying. It knocked me backwards on the floor. Go to the summertime? How? So you, you have a right to ask God how? He don't object to that. It's rebellion he don't like. He, he's a gentleman and he will explain to you but then when he see he knows when you've got it. There's no need for you to try to hide it. He knows when you've got it. And If, you, if you're just rebelling you've got problems but if you really don't know Ask, ask. Some of my askings I'm sure it would have sounded silly to you, but it didn't sound silly to God. He helped me. So, for five years, we took our children to the country. Up by Purdue University, this place we had bought for Kenny's folks was next. This is Purdue University's experimental farm. We bought a little track of ravine and woods with a little place to put a garden and, and an older house and that's where his folks were, and down by the Wawash River, it had a little cabin, and that's where we slept. Oh, my chill boys, a very busy dad, who couldn't do a lot with them in the, my boys enjoyed their daddy all summer long. They went out in the pasture, ride the horses without a bridle, put the belt, your belt in the, the, don't you try it, you might get killed, uh, in their mouth, and no bit, no bridle, daddy did it, they did it. they, that's when my boys learned to garden. And Daryl said to his grandpa one time, grandpa had heart trouble and he said, grandpa, he was going to rest. He said, grandpa, can't we cover these potatoes while we're resting? <laughs> so they learned to work and, and all, but that was prompted of God. It wasn't my plans. That was not what I would have planned. He could have worked in the factory and I, uh, I had some new, new furniture in the horizon. But God knew I didn't need new furniture. My boys need the fellowship they would have with their daddy. They got it. And that went on for five years. But that was purely unadulterated leadership of the Lord. And you'll have a lot of those. If you really want to do what's right with your children, the Lord will And don't ask him if you don't understand. But don't rebel. It works. All things work together for good. And that's bad things in your life too. Bad things will You think, well, we got a woman in our church, 53, she's had a stroke, she's paralyzed. Someone said, God made her, God made her that way? No, I don't believe that. It's happened to her, and God will help her, and there was something good come out of it. But there are bad things sometimes that happen to you because you did it. You know, you didn't eat right, you didn't. You didn't drink your milk, so you don't have strong bones, and, you know, all that sort of thing. So before you, happenings come in your life, don't blame the Lord. Look and see, Lord, help me today. Because we got a good God. He'll help us and take care of us. All right? Um, that's, uh, then after my husband got out of school, which took seven years for a five-year course, I think that's right, uh, they asked him, he, we pastored two years, and uh, we were in a community, that I had to do the calling. It was a poor community, and uh, so I had to do the calling. My husband stayed home, and I usually took one of the children with me, the baby with me, and I knocked on doors all up and down those streets, all by Lincoln Airport in Cincinnati. You see those houses. I've been in all of them. Uh, and uh, Because if a man comes home drunk, and my husband's standing in there visiting with him, how does he know what he's in there for? So I had to go. But the Lord helped us. I pretend this went up into the 90s, which was our average, when it had been way, way down. It was just a storefront building. But the Lord helped us. And that was, not, again, the leadership of the Lord. He was getting to be with boys that he needed to be with. And, and uh, the Lord will help you, too, in the areas where you need it. All you have to do is listen and do it obey. One of the big things that's helped me, my father wasn't a Christian, wasn't a church man, but he taught me to mind. If he said, Jewel, get out of bed. I knew when daddy came in, I must be out of bed. And he said, go do this. I knew that when he came back, I needed to be doing what he said. He taught me to mind, and that has made it easy. For me to mind the Lord. In fact I was at the altar praying when God showed me I needed holiness and the Lord said to me as plain as day you need to be on the other side of the altar. I was praying with someone on this side. The Lord said to me as plain as day and I know it was the Lord. I know it was the Lord. So I got up, went around to the end of the altar and knelt down and I said now Lord what am I here for? What am I here for? Why did I do that? I was taught to mind, but that you have to start when they're little i had a i uh I had a little girl I was babysitting for she was two she had shoved another little girl uh, I took care of seven or eight kids I'll tell you about that later um and uh I told her she had to say sorry. I didn't say I'm sorry because I was afraid she wasn't sorry, and I didn't want her to lie, but she did have to say sorry. I said, you have to say to her sorry. You shoved her, and you have to say sorry. She looked me square in the face, and she said, I'll not do it. And she sat down in the chair and stuck her thumb in the mouth. She said, I'll stay here all day for her. She wasn't three yet had some teenage ants that she had been watching so I thought well I got to be the boss here she's got to do what I say or tomorrow's going to be hard and listen if your child don't do what you say tomorrow's going to be hard and the next is going to be harder and when God tries to talk forget it he's going to try on God what he successfully tried on you and listen it won't work if God says do it if you're going to have peace with God, you're going to have to listen and do what he says. And you're the one to train them. You're the one to train them. I had a 20-year-old boy that someone had influenced to do bad things. And I, and, uh, I said to him, uh, well, I just want to tell you about it now. Uh, we worked at a Bible school setting, and it's fun to get the teacher's kids to do something. You know? They weren't getting in trouble with the deans, so it's fun to do, get the teacher's kids in trouble. So he had traveled with his boys. They're all in Christian work now, but it was fun. Your mom and dad are too hard on you. Your mom and dad don't let you do enough. On and on and on. So when he came back, he said to us, I need to talk to you. I said, "Great, right, come on, let's talk. And you have to keep communication lines open with your children. If you don't, if you can't talk to them, uh, you better learn. Because when they get to be teenagers, they're not going to tell you nothing if you don't know learn that. So he, I said, okay, what's, so my husband and I went in by his bed. I said, Kenny, uh, our son must talk to us before you leave. So we went in. You know what he told us? I'm going to leave home, get me an apartment, and I don't remember all the rest of it. But I said to him, you are? He said, yes, I am. I said, well, you don't have a job. Why are you going to pay for it? I thought it was a wonderful idea to help the child learn to save money, and so he had some money in the bank, and um, we were going to get him a gun, a good gun, for for graduation out of high school, and he had that money in the bank, and that made his his total a little higher, and uh, he said, oh, I got money in the bank. It was less than $1,000, but he thought he had a gold mine, and I said, that's not going to last very long. You have to pay your apartment and all your utilities and all your things. And I'll tell you what. If you had a job and could uh, pay your way, you and I'd talk. I wouldn't have let him do some things. but He's 20, but I wouldn't have let him do some things. But there's some things you can't keep him from doing. And, uh, but we're not going to talk because you've got to be reasonable about it. You don't have what it takes to pay your way. So, okay. And this thing was so bad, I've always said if I can't control my family, I'll call the police and let him help me. So I did. I called the police and told him my problem. I said my, boys were, my boy was with some other boys that I, were good boys, but they just taunted him half to death and told him how horrible we were and that we wouldn't let him do anything and on and on you know, all the things that kids tell to others. He said, well, he's too old for you to do much. I said, I know that. Uh, but he said, I suggest you don't let him be with you, with them. Okay, I lived on a Bible school campus. Uh, I had a hundreds of people around me all the time. And how was I gonna keep them from being with them? So I uh, unplugged the phone. He didn't know it, but I did. And uh, I've ever, we, I was with him all the time, wherever he went. We talked and we talked and we talked. But one of those guys decided to come talk to him. So he came knocked on the door. And uh, we were sitting in our living room, and here was a foyer, and there was a the front door. And uh, I said, you sit here. I'll answer the door. I figured it was one of his friends. Now, he was, I wasn't as big as I am now, but he could have thrown me out the window. He's a big boy. And when I weighed more than I weigh now, he put his arms around like this and picked me up and shook me and said, hello, oh, Mom. I said, put me down. You're tearing me apart. He was mashing me. So he's a big guy. And, but I said, you sit here all into the door. the Was he going to do it? Was he going to do it? You know where he learned to mind? When he's little tiny guy. He sat right there in that chair and didn't Open his mouth. I went to the door, and it was one of his friends. He said, I came to explain to you, I want to talk to... I said, forget it, you can't talk to him. He said, I must talk to him. I said, no, you can't talk to him. He was sitting there. He could have come over and done it anyway. But you know where he learned to do what I said? He first place, I proved to him I wasn't doing it for fun. You can't discipline your children... Just for your little mamby family likes and dislikes, what you have to say has to have a reason, and it has to be sensible. And they know it; they know whether it's sensible or not. And what I've done, practiced doing, was doing it for his good. So he didn't offer to; he didn't offer to come from here to over here to talk. And the, he could hear him. He knew he was wanting to talk to him. I said, "Stay where you are." When I went, I said, "You stay here." I'll answer the door. Okay, the guy didn't come in. There were a lot of other things involved in that. They had chided him about a girlfriend. And I always say to my boys, uh, you don't date a girl you wouldn't want to be married to. You're doing it for fun. You have, when you're wanting to do things to get acquainted with the opposite sex, you do it in groups. You go play volleyball and there are boys there and girls there and you kind of learn what a boy's like and what a girl's like. But whenever you're getting ready to date to get married, you never go with somebody that you wouldn't want to be married to. But he was going with a absolute foreign to what anything we. Of course, he's too cho- much. Children chose their own wives. Someone said to me, "How do you get your children to marry who you want them to?" I said, "I didn't. They picked who they married." And but he told me that uh, in our conversation from. All this time is going around. I, we went someplace together, and I, I was outside, and he wanted to go to the store. He went to the store. With that girl was in there. And I came. He didn't come back, and he didn't come back. And I went in the store, and here he went down this aisle. They were holding hands. And, um, and then he told me, uh, we're going to get married. I said, you are? When? He said, right away. And I said, well, does her folks know that? He said, no, they don't know that. I thought, well, you need to know that my boy is not going to marry a girl and her folks not know it if they're going to know you're getting married I'm going to tell them if you're a dog I I guess he thought I wouldn't I didn't know where they lived I knew the town they lived in I knew their name but that's all so I got on the phone and I called the operator in that town I said I need uh, Peachtree, West Virginia that's a town in West Virginia And I want to talk to a preacher by this name. She said, lady, that's too vague. I said, that's all I know. She said, I can't give you a number. I can't do it. Well, I knew he wasn't going to give me the number, and I knew she wasn't going to give me the number, but I was determined they were going to know. So I said, okay, give me any preacher anywhere in that town, any place. So she said, okay, she gave me a number. Now, maybe you don't think so, but I think God directed has a hand in that. I told him who I wanted. He said, oh, I've heard of that man. Clear across town. I said, will you go over and put my phone number, tape it to his church store, and tell him he needs to call me? He said, I'll do it. Okay, in a little while I got a phone call. And uh, now, that didn't just happen. That's God helping a mother who wants to help a teenager. I talked to a woman not long ago. Her children were deep in immorality. She said, I tried to talk to them about their preacher. He, he, she's, a, she's a school teacher, and he's a preacher. He said, she said, but they wouldn't listen to what I said. They would to do what they, what they wanted to do regardless of what I said. Don't you ever give up for that. They haven't done it yet. They're not married until they are. And uh, I said, don't you give up. Don't remember, don't give up. It's your job until and then whenever they get married, you you better not, you can be a problem mother-in-law. But I'm not a problem mother-law, I promise you. My daughter-in-laws tell me that I'm not, and I, I know I'm not. God won't let you be. God won't let you be. They don't live like you or like them. They live like us. And you're supposed to help them, not hinder them. So anyway, I told that preacher what well, he said, really? When's this supposed to happen? I said, oh, right away. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Uh, God in his goodness. Uh, I, I contacted one of my boys, and, and uh, we had all been praying, and uh, it came out that uh, the one boy was able to him. he said, what are you going to do that for? He said, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. I said, he said, do it anyway? When he got done talking, he said, "No, I'm not going to do it," and he didn't. So, uh, but that all starts when they're little, tiny kids. So we'll go back to little tiny kids. Are you of the opinion that you can't talk to a newborn? Try it. It works. You look that little tiny one, little tiny child in the in the face, and uh, of course, ask God to help you. Say, uh, I never handled a baby uh, without being scared death I was going to break them and uh, so I said Lord how do I handle these children how can I help them so I realized communicating with them was important and it always remains important as long as a child's under your roof and under your care you have to be able to communicate with them and it's your job to keep the lines open you keep the lines open you know they were mean and ornery and everything all, you know all those things but tomorrow morning you can't wake up with that. You bury that at night. Forget it. In the morning, you started so everything had been a hunky dory, everything had been wonderful, and everything you you gotta talk, you gotta keep lines open. So um I asked the Lord, and you you talk to a little tiny baby and get his eye, get the child's eye, that child will communicate with you. But that makes a bond between you and your child. until. All your life, you're gonna be talking to them, so it's gonna be very, very important. So start when they're real little, real, real little. And then start teaching them things when they're real, real little, you know. um, Talk to them about, we're going in the other room, we're going outdoors, we're going, I put this on the table, or I put it under the table, and all those kind of things are things that are teaching. It helps them for school, but it makes a bond between a mother and a child. A mother and a child. All those little things that you uh, don't just play with your children. Play with them, but don't just play with them. Make uh, your time of being with them uh, something where uh, you have communication and then it's easier to keep communication. If you think you can start... Five, you're way too late. And start having communication, you're way too late. You're behind. You need to start when they're real little. But God will help you to know how you can communicate with your children. So do it. It works. It works. It makes for good communications. Uh, Someone said something to me. I said, look, my children know who I am. And nobody could tell them things. And they'd believe it. Because they know who, you know, Somebody going to want to collar you and, and do anything against you. There are people in that kind of world. I said, I don't think those sort of things don't worry me. My children know me. I've lived with them a long time. But you have to be with them. It's so easy. You have to keep communications with your husband. Because whenever they're gone, you're looking across the table at a man you don't know. If you haven't kept, communi- kept a relationship with him and the communications with him, it's just as important that you keep communications with him as it is that you do with them. And it's very, your teacher, child's teacher is very, very important. And your child may have been, ornery is all get out, and you're blaming the teacher. Do you know that you can destroy your child's teacher's ability to teach him? We uh, we are very conservative people. My children had a uh, teacher in the fifth grade that wasn't. So she took it out on them. You know, mm, this and mm, that. Because of conservative things, things. That Some of it was in her head. Well, I felt she was wrong, but I thought I cannot destroy my child's... That woman is my child's teacher. And I cannot... Ad- destroy her ability to teach my child by making a big thing of this. So one of my children was a grown man and had been married for years. And something was said about that. And I said, I never did agree with her. He said, you did? I said, I wouldn't let her run over you, but I didn't agree or appreciate what she did. But she had to remain your Teacher, and she had to be able to teach you something. You know, your kids been ornery. They've left their papers at home. They forgot this and they forgot that. And how can a teacher teach? How can she grade papers if the teacher oh, I forgot my papers? All this sort of thing. So the teacher did something. So the next time that happens, they're going to remember. That's what discipline is: change. You discipline to change actions. Okay, you get upset at her. They just forgot. They just forgot. But you could be doing. You could. That's a simple little thing. But there's a lot of more serious things. You could be destroying your teacher's ability to teach because that child's gonna do everything under the sun to color you against that teacher. If you if they get their foot in the door, your job is to keep them from getting their foot in the door. Be kind to them, be kind to the teacher, and don't take her foolishness if there's foolishness. But the kids don't have to know everything that goes on. You can talk to a teacher without without, uh, them knowing it. One day, uh, something was said about my husband and I disagree, and I said, well, what in the world was it necessary for you to know that we disagreed? Because if you let them know that you disagree, and you will, as long as you have two heads, you're going to have two ideas, and you're going to have to iron them out. Why in the world do you let your kids know it? I said, you weren't involved in that. So let it be between you and them. And one of my children said to me, Mother, you never get discouraged. I said, what do you need to know if I'm discouraged for? Because all it will do is make you discouraged. Do you know, as a mother, you kind of set the tone of things at home? tone of things at home? You do? We lived in uh, we went to GBS when the court was about to take over we lived in their old dilapidated houses, the court wouldn't let us paint them and they wouldn't let us water our flowers no, you've got enough pay your bills and don't do anything to your bills because they may be liquidated but somebody had to go live there in order to keep that place open. We just happened to be the ones the Lord asked. Okay, now, I had to live in that house and live with those conditions and not let my kids know it was any different. I couldn't have done that by myself. But my children, I made that place their home. God helped me to. And they never, they didn't seem to know it. And we worked on a very limited salary, very, very limited. My children didn't know we were poor. I'd ask them at Christmas time, what do you want for Christmas? And they'd say, I can't think of anything. I babysat for a woman who was the first woman to ever run a marathon. She owned a big pizza place in Cincinnati, and she lived in Indian Hill. And Indian Hill is a big shop place in Cincinnati. All of her life, and her little boy came, I babysat him, and he looked at the Christmas catalog, and when he got done, he said, you know what I want for Christmas? Everything in the book. Everything in the book. And my children told me, I can't think of anything I want for Christmas. I'm happy. That's what you want in your children. And that's not humanly possible alone. But you have a good friend standing by you, and that good friend will help you all you have to do is keep your relationship right so you can communicate with him and you there is no limit to what you can ask it may sound crazy to me but remember it never sounds crazy to him you're trying to do the job god gave you to do and he'll help you tailor made don't use my examples Oh, God, your problems. What are you having problems with? I thought I'd never learn to teach a baby to eat. At one month, they I put the food in his... You're supposed to feed him cereal with eggs run through a sieve on it. You put the crazy spoon to his mouth, and it comes out. And I said, Lord, I'm supposed to feed this baby. I don't know how. And the Lord showed me a little technique that I, I used to use to feed a baby. Uh, because they're naturally supposed to suck. But here we were. They don't do that now. Sometimes they want to wait till they're at least one. And one woman told me nothing until they're one. And one someone else said, oh, all the crazy things they changed, to." I'm sorry. But um, some, I say sometimes doctors are writing thesis. It has to be something no one else ever wrote on. And they do it as this is the way you're supposed to do it. But anyway, whatever it is, God will help you to know, and it don't make a difference how simple it is. Now, like I said, I never bathed the baby. They'd always say, "Oh, you look at me?" I said, "How am I going to give this child a bath without breaking his neck?" So I said, "Lord, I want to enjoy this. Can you help me to know how to bathe my baby and not hurt him?" And I had a lot of fun give my children back but the Lord gave me he said if you lack wisdom ask of God who gives liberally it don't make any difference I told you silly things that I wouldn't ordinarily tell you but I wanted you to know that God is interested in things that are silly to other people but they mean something to me this is important to me and God is good enough to help you with it the only stipulation is he gives you a blank check if You abide in him. But it don't make a difference how hard you try. If you don't keep communications lines clear between you and the Lord, forget it. Forget it. You may be able to get from your mother without doing what she said, but you can't get from God without doing what he says. He said, if you abide in me, you keep your end of the bargain, the check is blank. Check his money. Unless you ask to assume upon your own lust. Now, one of my boys came home from school. He was in tears. He said, I asked the Lord for a whole room full of baseball cards. I said, You did? What for? So I'd have more than anybody else. But he didn't get his baseball cards. Why didn't he? You guessed it. But that same boy, another one of my boys, was sitting at the table and I'd made hot soup, and he uh, turned it on him. I'd just taken it off the stove. It was a rolling boil, and I grabbed him and took his shirt off, and here he was just blistered. My husband ran to the corner store to get underneath. We didn't even have any. The other little boy that had prayed for the baseball card said, God, please make his stomach better. And when he got done playing, the red was gone. My husband got back in the store and didn't even need it. The same little boy wasn't doing it for his own benefit. And he got his answer. And you don't need to think, if you're wanting the highest grades, the best-looking girlfriend, what else can you think of? All these things that do your ego, you know? That's a big thing with mothers. Do your ego. If you're wanting that, forget it. God's not going to pay any attention to that. But if you honestly need help, I don't think you can think of anything in the catalog of activities that God isn't interested in. God will move mountains to answer your prayers but you have to keep your end of the bargain. you keep your end of the bargain you have the best friend in the world
0: I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness.
1: Oh.
0: That has been